Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Connect on BlogTalkRadio.com. Catch us on the web at UMConnect.info. Okay, welcome to this latest episode of Connect. Uh, we're here with Drew McIntyre at Lake Junaluska. It's Saturday afternoon. Things are a little dead outside of the Herald Center, but uh, ordination services tonight, and we're recording this, and uh, it will get on the air on Sunday uh, at, at annual conference. So it is good to be here. Good to have you with us, Drew. It's good to be back with you, Mike. And you were somewhere uh, with your wife this morning. Tell me about that. Yeah, and, and last night. So uh, my wife Brittany uh, is a, is a physician, and she's just completed her residency. So okay. last night was a residency graduation. So I drove back uh, for that yesterday afternoon, and we had the festivities last night, and drove back up this morning. Well, it it is good that you could do that because she would have uh, really felt bad if you weren't there. And, being here at annual conference. Yes, I hate to miss any of uh, annual conference, but uh, it was not a difficult decision. <laughs> I think you're right. But uh, we've, you know, certainly discussed what has happened in the last couple of days, and um, we know what's been going on, and you were able to check up on the website. You oh, yeah. listen to podcasts. You know what's going on. been following the hashtag and uh, texting friends to get the lowdown, so I'm up to date. All right. And so... We thought we'd start off talking about um, the retirement service and uh, the service of commissioning that happened on Friday morning. Um, it's the kind of thing that you, you always sort of, uh, the way I called it, we sandwiched uh, uh, business uh, with worship and mm. the commissioning and um, the uh, service of retirement go hand in hand. It's interesting to look at. Uh, the newest ones coming in and those that are leaving. And I know fewer of those coming in than I know leaving. Uh, you probably are the other way around. It is the other way around for me, yes. And so um, it is a fascinating service every year to see people that have been your peers and mentors uh, leaving the ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not leaving the ministry, but at least retiring from active service. Uh, some of them will continue to serve churches in retirement and uh, some will continue to have ministry way beyond uh, what they're doing in a local church. But, um, you know, you see folks that came in through seminary with you, and they might have been much older then, but it didn't seem like it. Yeah. And then, whoa, how are you walking across <laughs> that stage now? How are you going to, uh, you know, spend life in another place? And I talk to some, and they say, well, you know, it'll be nice to choose somewhere to go on Sunday. Yes, I, I imagine. Now, I've, I've said this a lot, and I wonder what your perspective is, Mike, but uh, it does seem to me that hardly any Methodist pastors retire, retire. It seems like most of them find something to do that involves a pulpit, even after they officially, quote, unquote, retire. There are certainly a bunch that do that, um, you know, serving here in the Smoky Mountain District and 
Lake Junaluska being here, we have many, many retired pastors living around the lake and around mm-hmm. the, the area, and it is fascinating to see how many are still in ministry, real active ministry. Sure. Um, uh, the Campbells, and I served with them, and they weren't that much further ahead of me in terms of ordination process and all, uh, but I would served with them in the old Northeast District, and they've been living here for 15 years or something like that. And I saw them at a picnic the other night, and he's turning 80 this year. Wow. And they were telling me at the picnic, now, Mike, I know you're getting a pulpit. Uh, <laughs> if you need someone, we'll still fill in. I'm yeah. thinking, wow. <laughs> you know, at 80 years old, you know, I'm just hoping to get to 80. Oh, for sure. Um, but it's the kind of thing to see that uh, desire to do that. And, um, you know, uh, Bill Medlin was one of those. Uh, he okay. was a former conference secretary, and... Um, was just uh, always active, and he came and he served the church where I'm going after retirement. Oh, wow. And yeah. then, uh, you know, he got moved again out to Crabtree, and he spent years out at Crabtree as a retired preacher and was just well-loved in the community. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of examples of that, of people not quite uh, leaving ministry altogether. For sure. still have gifts, and and service to offer. I know um, in, in, in my district in Uari, my, one of my next door neighbors for a, a while was uh, George Robertson, mm-hmm. uh, who, who served uh, New Union in retirement and was uh, still a fantastic preacher, minister, was very welcoming to me as a, as a new pastor in town. And uh, and certainly in Uari, we have a lot of retired clergy serving as well. And I really uh, respect their, their wisdom and, and gifts and insight. Right. So um, the group that's coming in as provisional members, how many of those do you know? I, I know I know a few. Um, one that I'm really excited about is uh, is my friend Nathan Fensel. Uh, Nate and I did First Parish Project together hmm. um, at the Hinton Center um, with uh, with Clarissa Fuentes, and uh, so Nate and I have been friends for a long time, and, and I'm I'm really glad to, to see him get commissioned and, and start that journey, and uh, it's it's very exciting. Yeah. Now, where is he serving these days? Oh, he oh he moved, and I'm I'm a and I, I just saw him, and he told me, but my, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. So I know I remember him here in Cherokee County. Oh yeah. He was serving out there when I uh, was first working in the district, and I remember seeing him at you know, district meetings and that kind of thing. And I just didn't know where he moved, and uh, but yeah, nice guy. He's from somewhere up in New York, and mm-hmm. uh, and ended up down here. And uh, I always find that fascinating. Oh, for sure. Uh, sort of like my, my wife, who uh, is from Syracuse, New York. And uh, I met her in Asheville, North Carolina. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and she's managed to make this a home. And, you know, we've been here 10 years. Uh, Very cool. Basically. So um, always interesting when we see folks from outside finding their, their path and their way uh, here in the mountains of North Carolina. And, and I'm, I'm trying to remember, Mike, maybe you remember better than I do, but there were, I think, some proposals at General Conference that would have finagled the commissioning ordination process. I think there was some maybe some efforts to move uh, move it back to maybe deacon and elder, move ordination back, but I think we mm-hmm. all that stuff got turned down. I it think. did. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of thing, because uh, there were some concerns among a lot of folks that it takes so long sure. to go through the process. and. Uh, Bishop uh, Hagia out of the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. He he was very big uh, in talking about that openly. Sure. Uh, about how we just need to find a, a different way to do that, and uh, you know it was certainly shorter when I was coming through. Mm. So you get ordained a deacon uh, while you're still in seminary, 
and most people could come out and in two in in a year or two after uh, being in a uh, parish you could be ordained elder and wow. uh, it's a lot different than the provisional status oh sure and then moving on and it it, it can be a long process now you know, part of my story is that it took me um from 85 to 93 to go from deacon to elder oh, there's wow. not many that did that i i i actually uh, would have run out of time hadn't I, I made some moves i'd have had to been readmitted again and to the oh, deacon gosh. situation yeah. if i'd have uh, not gone to my board of order ministry quickly but uh, yeah it was the kind of thing i was not settled on mm-hmm. did i want to be an elder or did i uh, want to serve more in diaconal ministry and I, mm-hmm. I gave that a good thought and it was while my, I was at uh, Long's Chapel that I was basically convinced uh, not only by that congregation but you know by a couple of uh, former bishops that were uh, in That'll that congregation <laughs> and you know when Bishop Ed Tullis takes you aside and holds you around the arm and he says son what is what is the weight about <laughs> <laughs> you're gifted, you're needed. Go ahead and finish it. Wow. Well, when you have that kind of uh, support, it, it's time to turn sure. and go. But um, I, I've always thought, and it's still strange to talk about you know, provisional uh, ministry and all like that. That doesn't seem to, to yeah, work in my way of thinking. Probation and. <laughs> right. But <laughs> what I do like. Uh, with this new system is that there is the permanent permanent diaconate which Mm -hmm. we didn't have and that was part of the problem too is that during that time it had been discussed at general conference not passed Uh, it wasn't it was 96 and we celebrated that today the 20th anniversary of the order of deacons fantastic Um, but they had talked about it in 92 and they talked about it in 88 and i kept hoping that that would be a, a possibility and uh, and then at general conference this year, uh, one of the things that they did was uh, uh, say that diaconal ministers under the direction of a bishop can uh, preside at the table, which is a little different mm-hmm. uh, way of thinking too. Certainly, yeah, and, and I think they clarified some things around that because there had been some provisions about that before, but but they weren't clear. I was excited. Uh, we didn't mention this in the last podcast, but. Uh, uh, I think someone we both know and who's someone who's been a mentor of mine and was my youth pastor and very much involved in my own call to ministry, but Gloria Hughes was elected right. our chair of our Order of Deacons, which I was very excited yeah. about, along with uh, Veronique Alvord, who, was, uh, who mm-hmm. became chair of the Order of Elders. Uh, so those were, those were neat. I do want to give a, a shout-out to our Board of Order Ministry for this uh, because we, um, among young clergy, we'll talk a lot about how we're still one of the few conferences that does uh, three years provisional time right. versus two. Most conferences have gone to two. But what I will say, and I, maybe you have similar stories, but my friends, for instance, in the North Carolina conference, what what I hear from there is, yes, it's two years, but they've added additional layers of hoops mm. so that they're not, most of them are not getting through in right. two years. Um, so I actually don't think that us being three makes a, a, a much much larger difference to be honest yeah that's probably true um and and since i was one of those guys it took all of eight years to to do it it, you know, it wouldn't have mattered with me you you'd give me two i'd have taken four <laughs> i'd have taken six so a uh, very interesting thing so uh, um but i do think that when you add those extra hoops um it's going to take more time for a lot of people for sure for sure yeah 
Um, let's take a break real quick and I'll do some things. We'll come back and talk some more. My name is Sally Queen and I'm the Associate Director of Ministerial Services. By virtue of our baptism, we are all called into ministry. This call is being faithfully lived out in the communities of Western North Carolina as people of all ages participate in building God's kingdom. Others are responding to God's call to license or ordain ministry by committing to faithfully lead our churches in vitality. All who are called are using their talents and gifts to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. Okay, we're back from that short break, and um, we're going to revisit the uh, the whole ordination process uh, it was it's always interesting to look back in the in the difference of the processes and and the lengths of time and and it was interesting that general conference had talked about uh, those very things and uh, you you were saying something about hoops what was that yeah about? well and I wanted to to revisit that because I was reflecting on my experience with the board um, and the process that I went through a few years ago, and just how much uh, I think improvement there's been in mm. the last uh, just last several years, and we heard some of that in in the report uh, the other day, and uh, and Ashley uh, Crowder Stanley was was very specific about that, and got a lot of um, deserved praise uh, for the positive changes. Mm. I think both in tone and in content that the the board has made. And I know um, I have a lot of friends on the board, and they're great people, and they don't like that language of, of hoops. I if I said that, I meant to say steps, but um, but I know in the North Carolina conference there are some they've taken they've added some steps to the process that essentially make it at least a three-year provisional period mm-hmm. if not um, if not more than that so but I've been very my most experience has been with the process here and I think it's it's night and day I started I was provisional under kind of the, the old system and was and got fully connected under mostly under the newer system and that's night and day difference. Oh, yeah. Um, so I've been very impressed with what they've done just in a few short years. Much like Lake Junaluska, just in, right. a, in a quadrinium, how much change oh, exactly. we can see. Um, and so my dealings with the board um, have been mostly with the technology that's being used. And mm. so, you know, I can remember the old days and, you know, sending in uh, videotapes and audio tapes and uh, manuscripts and on paper. And... Uh, wow. Um, you know, you'd spend fifty, sixty dollars mailing your stuff out, and uh, now it's all collected online. And uh, you know, I, I was a little concerned when they came to me and asked, you know, how would you advise us to do some of these things? Because not all of our board of ordained ministry is technically aware, sure, in sure. the same way that some of the younger ones are. Uh, but uh, after uh, after that first year, and there were a few hiccups. Uh, and I was getting calls all the time. How do I do this? How do I do that? So the first year uh, was a little tough uh, on both candidates as well as uh, the board. Mm-hmm. And the second year, you know, I probably went through 20 calls the first year. The, the next year, I had two. Wow. Uh, and that's how much it's changed. And, um, and that technical piece, uh, getting uh, manuscripts to where you can actually read them on an iPad, read them on your phone if you mm-hmm. had to, um, is a whole lot better oh, yeah. uh, than seeing those boxes of papers. And oh, I always yeah. tell this story about Frank Grice, who was uh, the guy that I was working with at Long's Chapel, and he was on the board. And Frank would travel around with a box of uh, audio tapes in his car and listening to uh, sermons. and. Wow. And he'd always have a couple of boxes, one of papers, and, and he'd just shift them from the car to the office, office to the car. Oh, gosh. Uh, what a difference that must be in the whole sure. uh, review process. 
and um, and so I think that that is greatly improved. Definitely. Um, but I also like uh, what I did know about um, this year's process and moving everybody to um, a committee that reads all the papers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we do ministry. Um, we don't do ministry in four blocks. Uh, and then it moved to three. And in the early days, we had four committees that we went through. And, wow. uh, and then it's moved to three. And now it's moved to one committee handling all the aspects of uh, the process. And I'm thinking that has to be better. Definitely. It's what we do, it's what we do with the DCOM as well. And, and again, it's about getting a, a whole picture of, of the person because we're not just a preacher. We're not just someone who's called and has a personal life and we're not just a theologian we're right. all that and more so yeah it makes a lot of sense so uh, i am i'm glad that that has changed wish i had gone through it all those years back they, i'm sure they'll let you do a victory lap if you want to uh, i don't think so <laughs> i think i'm going to stay where i'm at <laughs> but it, it is a fascinating thing so um that was uh um, friday morning that whole idea of uh uh, new provisional members coming in. And then we were uh, talking about retirement. Yeah. And now that is a fascinating thing. And, and you actually have to uh, be voted uh, to, to retirement during clergy session. We talked about that in the last podcast. Uh, but to think that you're part of that community, you uh, have to be voted out as opposed to uh, just leaving. Yeah. And that's fascinating. Very Methodist, very very Western. Methodist, <laughs> and uh, and then today, or I mean on Friday morning, uh, that whole group of folks that uh, we voted for uh, uh, to receive retirement, then they get to walk across the stage, and that's always fascinating. So Jock Allis was the guy who uh, did the sermon uh, for um, the retirees. And Jock and I um, were in school together at Duke. Oh, neat. I think I finished before him. Um, he was coming in, and he was, you know, a second career guy. But um, I always thought of him as a peer because we were in classes together mm-hmm. and things like that. And he came out, and we served in the—he served in Canton, and I was at Long's Chapel. So we served there, and then he's moved along and done other things. Um, but, uh, you know, to see Jock Allis up there knowing he's retiring— yeah, makes you feel a uh, little nostalgic. Uh, I'm sure. This is one of one of my peers, and they're going out, and that you know it's fascinating. And last year there were two or three uh, folks that I finished seminary with that, oh, wow. that were retiring. Yeah. And you know, I was a young guy when I finished seminary, but you never think that uh, your peers in the seminary are that much older than you that they're getting to. Uh, retire this year oh yeah well as i was looking um at the wall you know the wall of former pastors at my current church west bend in ashboro and um uh, of course i'm the youngest pastor they've had uh but also everyone before me is retired mm. <laughs> no one there's no one else that's many who are who are active but not you know not serving pulpits um but so that was that was interesting to, to think about and i, I do i do recall um in, in previous years uh, you, you know, it's an interesting service because it, it's sad, but it's also recognition of good work done. And there are some retirees who just about float across that stage. Yes, you're right. Because <laughs> they're they're very pleased. They're so very I'm pleased. I'm looking at this and um, uh, Susan Pendleton Jones, uh, Greg's uh, wife, retired this year. She did. That's what it I, says. Wow, I did not realize that. Yeah, and so they'll be moving to Texas to That's Baylor, right. but. Uh, 
you know, she'd put in 30 years of service. And, yeah. Um, so she's retiring. Jack Knespel, I've served with him over the years. Uh, Sid, Sidney Lanier, another one of those that uh, uh, I spent a lot of time. Uh, Ken Lyon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steven Johnson. Uh, and I'm thinking, wow, uh, pretty amazing uh, looking through the list. Uh, one of these days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Jody Seymour is another one you know, that's finishing. And it took him uh, a long time to decide to retire. And he was doing such good ministry in Davidson. Oh, sure. He probably thought about it you know, for several years. And sure. this was the year. And uh, I'll bet you he's one of those that uh, doesn't give up the ghost. He's going to be doing something pretty soon. Oh, I'm sure he's got so many, so many gifts and, and interests around. Um, I remember him doing a workshop workshop for us in the provisional process on the Enneagram that was mm-hmm. fascinating and I'm sure he'll be doing some some teaching and mentoring and yeah, I would guess so yeah um, and uh, but it, it's always an interesting thing to see who's going to be off the on the stage uh, for the retirement and then it was interesting that uh, um, Julia Trantham uh, spoke for um, uh, the new class coming in and I believe that she's a first deacon ever to give that address oh interesting and so um julia came out of um, central church in canton that's where my wife and i go to church on sundays okay and uh so her parents usually sit in a pew behind us and uh it's fascinating but you know i've had some dealings with her at cullowee church and uh you know just one of the bright and upcoming uh, uh folks in ministry and uh you know uh, working with David Reeves out in Cullowee. Oh, yeah. And it's a, a fascinating uh, working life that they have, but it, it's the perfect uh, setting for her. You know, young, uh, working with the uh, Wesley Foundation and that congregation, oh, yeah, and great. working in the community and service. It, it, it's powerful stuff. And, and she lives out that call to be a deacon uh, very well in uh, Jackson County. Well, there's this this beautiful kind of flow at our at, at annual conference with beginnings and endings and and celebrations and remembrances and uh, the way that we incorporate the incoming ordinance mm. to the retirement service and also to the celebration of life service right uh, is is really beautiful. I know for me, that was one of the most touching parts of the, the day I was ordained was that we helped honor those that that were being remembered that year. Mm. Um, uh, and of course, this year, you know, we. Again, as as always, we lost some beloved uh, clergy. Uh, oh no doubt. Year, who, who we celebrated um, uh, today? One who's a friend of mine, and this was we talked about the difference in, in you and I being right. longer in the system and younger in the system. Well, um, a, a dear friend of mine, uh, Mike Burris. Mike and I were in the ordination process together in Riyadh together, and uh, Mike died unexpectedly um, this year, and uh, that was the, the first time for me that really someone I considered a, a peer mm-hmm. uh, in ministry died, and. Um, so, of course, we've been praying for his family and friends and his congregation. He's a great pastor, wonderfully gifted, did some great uh, recovery ministries and had an amazing personal testimony. And um, I was driving back this morning. I was in communication with some of my Riyam friends who all went to kind of honor him. But um, And I know I'm sure you have some, too, but um, that's one that stuck out to me this year of uh, just uh, how beautiful this connection is. Um, that we that we are careful both to celebrate those who are coming in, but also to honor those who have served well mm-hmm. uh, that are no longer with us. Yeah, and I, I look at this group uh, that we celebrated this after, or this morning, and 
a number of them. I served in the district with them. Uh, they were mentors to me, some of them, and it's always fascinating uh, to look at this group. But uh, you know, one was Hal Finney, and Hal and I served in two different districts together and uh, had a lot of dealings and, you know, a grand guy and funny guy and um, you, you just don't think that, uh, you know, here's one that's uh, missing. Yeah. Um, you know, another one that we celebrated today was James Fowler, mm-hmm. uh, who was a professor, wrote the book on Stages of Fate. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, died during the year and oh. rather young fellow uh, when it was all said and done. Uh, but, uh, you know, he impressed upon a lot of people over the years, uh, the whole Christian education perspective and that stages of faith, uh, you know, still hangs with uh, most of us in some form or fashion. Yeah. Um, another one that I uh, remember, Joe Reeves. Uh, and Joe, um, when I was serving at uh, uh, Camp Loy White, I was uh, a very young director at Camp Loy White. I hadn't finished seminary yet, but I took a year off and some more months uh, to be their camp director. And uh, as part of the process, um, I think it was uh, Maurice Ritchie at Duke asked me to get a mentor in the community that you know would sort of act as my, uh, uh, my spiritual guide, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so Joe Reeves was at uh, Central and Shelby. And so just down the road. And yeah. it, he, was, he was a guy that I could go to and sit in his office and, you know, hammer out what does this mean to ministry you know i'm in a camp and you're at central church uh, what wisdom do you have and he would sit back and say well i don't know anything about camping but i know this about people mm. and powerful stuff and so uh, to see him uh, on the list this morning was uh, a, a remembrance time sure, sure. but uh, yeah every year and i i think you know the older i get the more of these folks i you know, we've had some dealings with. Mm-hmm. Um, been doing this, uh, well, since 93 was when I was ordained an elder, but 85 as a deacon. And uh, over the last few years, you know, there have just been numerous people that, you know, have been in my life and uh, uh, are now in the, in the other world. Yeah. yeah. And it makes, um, makes you think. It's always a reminder, a good reminder, that we we stand on the shoulders of of giants. No doubt. Well, let's take a little break, and then we're going to come back and talk ordination. How's that sound? Sounds good. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build the church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. Okay, we're back from the break. Uh, It's uh, Drew McIntyre, Michael Rich, sitting here at Junaluska, and we're going to close out this show talking about what happens tonight, and that's ordination service. So, I know that you're going to be in it again this year. Last year we were talking, and it was Rennie Salata that you stood up for. Yeah, and uh, both uh, it was interesting in that show. Amy uh, was my DS and headed to the thing, and she was standing in. You and her, and I had you both on the radio that night. Yeah, that was neat. That was neat. So, and then we brought Rennie on the show for Saturday night, and so again Saturday you're here. You got your robe hanging. 
uh, up. And so tell us about uh, who you're standing with this year. Yeah, I'm standing uh, with uh, Clark Chilton, who's a friend of mine who's being ordained a full connection deacon uh, this evening. Uh, Clark is the, the youth pastor and, and well, leads worship and has several wears several hats at my home church, Clemens mm. uh, United Methodist Church. And um, his parents and my parents are in the same Sunday school class at Clemens. And uh, so we, we've been friends. And, uh, and so I was I was honored uh, that he that he asked me to, to stand with him tonight. So I I brought my brought my Sunday best. I'm going to get gussied up here in a little bit. All right. I'm excited. Also worth noting that um, uh, we we talked about and you interviewed Rennie last year. Well, his uh, his wife Lauren Sims Salada that's right is being ordained full connection tonight. So that's special, real special too. All right. Uh, so so that's that'll be a uh, and a lot of great folks. A really great um, I think full connection class this year and a testimony to great work done by the the folks on the board and in the call and vocation team. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be special to watch Bishop Goodpastor ordain as uh, his last class, at least as a resident bishop. Yeah. I think back, I can remember, you know, when Rennie and uh, Lauren got out of seminary and uh, Rennie came to this uh, district and it was his first appointment and I was working here in the district and uh, it's interesting to see and I I think back and uh, many many of us who went through Duke in the 80s, I don't think that we're as ready as some of the group that are coming out now. It's just a different mindset now at Duke. But uh, I just feel like uh, these new uh, ordinands are prepared and ready to go. And in the, in the Rion process now, we, we mentioned there's so much more preparation in that for some of the practical sides of ministry and so mm-hmm. many resources now to pick up some of those things that we didn't get in seminary that, right. uh, that it is very different. Yeah, one of the things that was interesting, um, and that was Wednesday night in the clergy session, and you know, they're pretty much money is available and money is uh, flowing uh, to young clergy, new clergy. And one of the, uh, we talked about the budget yesterday, and, and I remember one of the uh, clergy members of the conference standing up and saying, you know, uh, I came through and didn't have any money thrown at me. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's a very interesting thing. I, I look back and, you know, there was no way that I was going to Israel with the bishop because there was no money available. And it's also possible it wouldn't be a great time to go to Israel. When you were well, there through. you go. <laughs> I don't want to throw that card out there. But. Well, I can certainly understand that. But, you know, uh, that called and gifted to lead, there are programs all over our conference available. Absolutely. And you and I both know that what you get in three years of seminary uh, is not enough. Uh, to serve a congregation absolutely it's just a start it is just a a small start you know you get theologically grounded uh, you get biblically grounded Uh Uh, you can interpret the scriptures uh, but in essence most of us took one preaching class that's not enough no definitely not that that'll get you through the first month (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) you could use those sermons for your first month right but you still have to preach after that though exactly (laughs) um but i'm just thinking about all the opportunities available uh, to these new clergy and i think that um, most of them are taking advantage of every situation that's given to them i hope so now one of the things because i'm the communications guy and one of the things that i do here because I send out a lot of emails. We put a lot of stuff out there. Um, I hear, you know, uh, I have too much to choose from. And, uh, you know, sometimes I've got to stay home. Sure. And But 
there's a lot out there. And, and that, you know, that's the balance of figuring out how to be an ordained clergy and, and serve your church faithfully is balancing all these opportunities to, to grow at the same time uh, be in a congregation and serve it well. Absolutely. And uh, I don't know that I, you know, had that choice. You know, I would go to uh, the Duke Convocation once a year, and <laughs> and that wasn't enough. But right. uh, that was what was uh, readily available to me. Yeah, and it definitely is a balancing act because there is so much being offered. It's a, it's an embarrassment of riches in in some way. I, I I did a program the last year and a half through Wake Forest, a Lilly Endowment funded program through the Divinity School, and and that was a pretty intense program. So I had to make some choices about mm-hmm. if I do this, I can't do this. I can't do two different retreat things. That's just too much time away. And right. Um, so and I'm trying to figure out. I'm going to a new appointment now, and I don't want to commit to a whole lot because I'm trying to start. And so. Right. But, but it's a great problem to have because there's so many good opportunities provided by the conference and, and related institutions. Right. And, and the other thing, and Duke Endowment has always blessed us greatly. Absolutely. Here in Western North Carolina. And somehow over the last uh, 10 years, they've come up with more money to bless us. And, and that was part of the report yesterday from uh, uh, Rob Webb and the Duke Endowment. It was powerful. Uh, you know, they're looking... Uh, for things that make a difference. They're looking for things that will help you steal home to to take that risky step that Absolutely. will do something big. Hit the home run. Uh, steal home plate. And uh, it was just a powerful word from Duke Endowment to know that if you are wanting to be on the cutting edge, you wanting to do something uh, that makes big impact, that they're going to support us even more. And um, that's happening over and over again. And uh, clergy are getting opportunities to uh, do many things because of uh, the generosity of the Duke Absolutely. Endowment. Absolutely. And I think this is worth, whether we have, uh, we have, I'm sure we have laity that are listening to this and clergy that are listening to this, but if you want to do ministry, if you want to impact your community, if you want to you know, make things happen, take some risks in your community, you know, what, what um, Bishop Schnazy calls risk-taking, mission, and service. Mm. Between the Duke Endowment, between conference funds, district funds, there is money out there for ministry. Mm-hmm. Money is not a hindrance in our, I mean, this is an amazing statement. I think that, I don't think I'm saying too much here, but money is not a hindrance to ministry in our conference. I don't think so. You know, and that's an amazing thing to say, and we, we need to be more upfront about that and celebrate that and get that message out there because I'm sure there are all kinds of folks that have ideas, but there are resources there if you want to do real real ministry. Maybe not, you know, they're not trying to maybe build um, everyone a new fellowship hall. Right. But if you're trying to do ministry, the resources are there. Yeah. And so, and that is the difference between the Duke Endowment of today and the Duke Endowment that I remember coming in. Right. There were a lot of fellowship halls and there were a lot of small churches built uh, with Duke Endowment money. Yeah. And, you know, and that's powerful stuff, but they're out of the building uh, business these days, yeah. but they are into uh, building kingdom stuff, and that is an amazing switch. And we're all going to have to get used yeah. to that, but it's a good thing to get used to. Definitely, and, uh, we as the church in Western North Carolina, we need to uh, see that that's what we're about. It's not about buildings. It's not about uh, facilities. It is about ministry in the community, absolutely, and getting to know uh, how to do ministry. Uh, with that community Uh, not for it with it yes and so uh, that's powerful stuff and all that came out of a talk about ordination man we just about had a sermon there yeah (laughs) 
we better record this, huh? I hope, I hope you hit record. Otherwise. Okay. <laughs> so anything else about ordination tonight? No, just you know, it'll be special to, to see Bishop Goodpastor with his, his last class of ordinands. It's a very special service. It's, it's always endearing. It's always uh, moving, um, always good preaching, and, um, uh, and an honor to you know, stand for friends and loved ones and colleagues and watch them take that, uh, take that step and right. uh, receive that blessing. Yeah, I, I got to uh, speak with uh, Bishop Harvey, who will be preaching tonight. Oh, cool. And uh, she was one of the more powerful preachers at General Conference. She is something else. She's a dynamo, and uh, uh, she stands less than five feet tall. She must be. She's just a tiny lady with this big voice. And yeah. that was the first thing, because you, know, you see her on stage, and you saw her on uh, uh, TV, or on you know live stream, and she was bigger than life. Yeah. And then, you know, she comes up to about my waist. I feel like, <laughs> and that is something when you see someone bring the gospel. Sure. And you got to remember that John Wesley was just a short little guy. Oh yeah. Well, it makes me think of Fred Craddock. There you go. Fred Craddock, real real small fellow, but amazing storyteller, you know, big presence in the pulpit. And so. Uh, every time I go into the World Methodist Museum here and stand beside the Wesley life-size replica, and I'm thinking, goodness, how did he preach to 10,000 people in a pasture? Yeah. Um, well, we're going to see it tonight with Bishop Harvey. Great. And I think that uh, she will uh, bless us in a very powerful way. And, and that is the thing about ordination service. Uh, you know, I've had some sermons better than others, but most of them are just profound mm. and uh, I, I have a feeling that's going to be the same thing tonight I'm looking forward to it and worship uh, is always grand and uh, you know we uh, well you can't do much better than going back and remembering your baptism that we're all ordained for ministry absolutely and uh, and then this is just a special calling out of those uh, to special gifts and services in the church but you know it all serves around that idea of baptism and the table and it all comes together you know tonight so that's very cool well um we're gonna have to close this out here shortly uh um what do you have to say i know uh i'm gonna give you a last word and i'll uh, sign us off yeah i'm gonna head to uh to an ordination uh, uh party and uh, celebrate with some some folks here uh, in the interim. I uh, just want to say thanks again for uh, for having me, Mike, and thanks to the listeners. Um, I also uh, you mentioned Bishop Hagia. Um, I've interviewed Bishop Hagia for a podcast I do with a couple buddies of mine, uh, Stephen Fife and Evan Roars Dodge, on the Wesley Cast. You can find that on iTunes. One word, Wesley Cast. Uh, I also blog at drewbmcintyre.com. I've written stuff for for the conference blog mm-hmm. and written stuff for Ministry Matters. So oh, we'll, reminder, you've got something for I, me for Monday. I, I will have something for you Monday, Good. one way or the other. So so feel free to look me up on Twitter and Facebook. Um, it's been a joy to be with you again here at Annual Conference. Thanks to the United Methodist uh, Foundation for sponsoring this, and Mike for letting me sit here and uh, talk across from you for a couple of days. Well, it's always my pleasure, and uh, like we said the other day, you know, we just need to talk to somebody at Duke and say, you need to have a podcast, and we'll be glad to start it off as alums. I, I absolutely, I think as as good alum, that's the best. That's a great service we can render our alma mater. Well, there you go. Well, thanks again uh, for being with us and uh, and staying with us through all of our uh, rants and. Uh, uh, 
rabbit trails, rabbit trails, and <laughs> circuitous paths. Um, we are it, preachers. That's how we talk. We sometimes. are, but it is nice to you know have this time and uh, to be here at annual conference, and it's Saturday afternoon, so I'm going to kick my feet up a little bit before it all kicks off again. Sounds good. So thanks everyone for listening, and we'll be back the next time connecting United Methodist and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.